I spent last week in uh, South Carolina, which is why I'm not as pale as most of you, and it was hot down there. So we were at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I've been going there ever since I met Sabrina's family, a little over 20 years ago. Her father built two houses in this campground, and so every year we would get together as a family, hang out, and have lots of fun. Two years ago, her mom and dad died, and so the family sold the beach houses, but this year we, we all got back together and we rented one of the houses that uh, dad had built, and so that was fun, G5, and we did all the things we're used to doing, and it was extremely warm. While I was down there, I was preparing for the message today, which is about the fact that Jesus is preparing a place for us. And then he's going to come back and take us to be with him. Heaven. So I'm thinking about heaven. And I could not help but think about mom, poppy. They are followers of Jesus. And what are they doing right now in heaven? And what is life going to be like for all of us when Christ returns and establishes the new heaven and the new earth? And we're all together with God forever and ever. And it, it was an encouraging thought. I think that the message today will encourage you if you're a Christian uh, you have a wonderful future. And if you're not a Christian, I'm hoping that the message today will um, kind of create a longing within you, and you'll say, I don't want to miss out on that. And as a result, you will become a follower of Christ today. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 14. This is our text for today. In this text, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and then I'll come back and get you and take you with me. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is speaking to disciples who are very troubled. Because he's just been talking to them about the fact that one of them will betray me. He said that I'm going to be killed taken away from you. And so these disciples, are they have a whole lot to be troubled about. The circumstances facing them are uncertain and look very bleak, and so they are troubled, and Jesus speaks to them and says, you don't need to be troubled. Why not? Well, because God has spoken a good word to you. In fact, the Bible says that God's word to us is always yes in Christ. And so the, the future is uncertain. Yes, we're talking, I'm, I'm going to be taken from you. I'm going to be killed. But you don't need to be troubled because God has a good purpose in it and he's got a good future in it for you. And so believing God is the antidote to anxiety for the Christian. Because in every situation we face, God has spoken a good word, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, a word of empowerment, and it's always a yes in Christ. So no matter what you're facing, promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither height, depth, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nothing in all creation can separate you. No one can snatch you out of my hand. God says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And on and on it goes. 
The Bible is filled with wonderful promises that can comfort us and in all situations. The question is, will we believe God? If we will believe God, then why be anxious? And so if you are anxious this morning, think about one of the promises God makes you, believe it, and let not your heart be troubled. And of course, there's nothing that's more troubling to people than facing death and the uncertainty of death. And yet even in the face of death, which is precisely what Jesus is talking about here, we don't need to be troubled because we have a great future in store for us, which is what Jesus goes on to talk about. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. Jesus knew what it was like to be turned away because there was no room, right? That's why he was born in a stable. Sorry, no room for you in the inn. He's born in a stable. He says, that's not going to happen to anyone in heaven. There's room for everybody in heaven. There's room for you if you want to be in heaven. The only thing that's going to keep us out of heaven is our unbelief not a lack of room. In John, John chapter 1, verse 12, we read, But to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And if you become a child of God, you have the right to hang out in the house of God, right? And so if you will receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you will believe Him, trust His promises to you, trust His claims about Himself and about reality and about you, well then, God gives you the right to become a child of God. And then heaven becomes your destiny. So nobody is going to be excluded from heaven because, sorry, we're all filled up. We only had enough for the first couple thousand years of humanity. Nope. There's room in heaven for everyone. Verse 3. Or if uh, in, my, in my Father's house are many rooms, verse 2, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, the disciples were upset because Jesus is leaving them. Don't leave us. It's only been three years. We're not, we're not done hanging out with you. We're not satisfied. We have a lot more to learn. But Jesus, Jesus says, I've got to go. Because if I don't go to prepare a place for you, then, then we're only going to get to hang out together in this life. But I want to be with you for all eternity. And for that to happen, I've got to go to prepare a place for you. So what is involved in Jesus preparing a place? It certainly involved the cross. Jesus knew we can't hang out together for all eternity in heaven if, as long as there's a sin barrier that's keeping humans from God. And so Jesus went to the cross to prepare a place for us. And on the cross, he substituted himself on our behalf. He hung on the cross so that we don't have to. By his stripes we're healed. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so Jesus died upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he burst forth from the grave, conquering the power of sin and death. And his righteous life was credited to our account so that the barrier of sin was taken away. 
remembered no more as far as the east is from the west. And so now we can be in the presence of a holy God. And so preparing the way absolutely took Jesus to the cross. And for that, we are very grateful. And for that, we worship Jesus. And for that, we thank him. And for that, we trust him. And because of that, we believe him. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. If I leave you, it's only for a short time. It's not because I've grown tired of you. That's all the time I'm giving you. I'm sorry. Three years. It's over. I got to go hang out with some other people. No. He is saying, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you so that you can be with me forever and ever and ever. And in that, I want you to hear Jesus' excitement about you. He loves you. He wants to hang out with you for all eternity. He will never grow tired of you. Isn't that amazing? But wait a second. I've got flaws I've failed. I've, nope, he loves you, he's redeemed you, and he wants to be with you forever and ever. He is excited about you. And that's hard for us to believe sometimes. But the Bible says that God rejoices over us. He sings over us. He celebrates us. He loves us. Jesus has gone to heaven so that we can be with him forever. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we read, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, catch this, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Everyone that God has created in His image, every human on the planet, every person who has ever lived, God's heart was, I don't want you to miss heaven. I want you to repent of your sins and put your faith in my son, Jesus Christ, so that you can come and dwell with us forever and ever and ever. And that's the heart of God. And we need, as his children, to reflect that same heart. We can't cut people off. We can call them to repentance. But our hearts need to, need to hold out the hope that they will repent and be re- become reconciled to God and their fellow man, and that we get to hang out together Forever and ever. I also see in this, so that I may be, so that where I am you may be also. The rest of the Bible makes it clear that Jesus, or that uh, the greatest treasure in heaven is God himself. The greatest treasure in heaven is God himself. St. Augustine writes, God himself shall be our reward. As there is nothing greater or better than God himself, God has promised us himself. You know, every joy of creation is a derivative joy. It's only awesome because God exists. 
The only reason we enjoy human relationships so much is because God exists and he is relational and he has created us for relationship. The only reason we enjoy being creative is because God exists and he is creative. The only reason we find beauty in creation is because God exists and he's beautiful. And on and on it goes. Every joy of this world that we uh, appreciate is because God exists. It's a derivative joy. And so in heaven, we're going to not only have the derivative joys. I think many of them will continue. We will have God himself, which means it will be exponentially better. Our experience will be off the charts better in heaven. And so, listen, I've had the time in life when I was a younger man where I'm like, uh, Jesus, come again someday, but let's just down the road because I've got a whole lot of this life that I still want to enjoy. Which means I really, I really am not convinced, was not convinced, that heaven's going to be better than the here and now. That, in fact, I think what I was really thinking is, ah, heaven isn't going to have a lot of the great stuff that I really want to enjoy. And I've changed, definitely changed my thinking on that. Jonathan Edwards writes, God himself is the great good which they are brought to the possession and enjoyment of by redemption. He is the highest good and the sum of all that good which Christ purchased. The redeemed will enjoy other things. So, Catch that. We will enjoy the derivative, joy, uh, derivative joys. But that which they shall enjoy in the angels or in any, each other or in anything else whatsoever will be what will be seen of God in them. So heaven's greater, greatest treasure is God dwelling with us. And we will get to experience God in a way we never had. Fellowship with God in a way we never have before. Here's another thing I see in, in this verse. I will come again and take you to myself. Uh, heaven won't take its final form until Jesus returns. So Jesus has in mind, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come back. And the Bible tells us that's the second coming of Jesus Christ. He will return a second time. The first time he came so they could live a righteous life, and die in our place so that our sins can be forgiven and rise from the dead and destroy the power of sin and death. But when he returns a second time, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He will establish his rule across the whole universe. And so heaven will take its final form when Jesus returns. So think about mom and poppy right now. They're in the temporary heaven. And then when Jesus returns, he will establish the eternal state that we will exist in forever and ever. Now, what's the difference? Well, right now, uh, mom and poppy are in the presence of Christ. The Bible is very clear to be absent from the Bible. Uh, the Bible. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Right? Paul wrestles with... I, you know, I wrestle between should I live or die. If I live and continue in the body, I can serve you, but to, it's better to go, you know, to die and go be with the Lord. I'd rather do that. So, mom and poppy are in the presence of God right now, and life is better than it was here because there's no brokenness there. But, but 
they do not yet have a resurrected body, and uh, the new heaven and the new earth has not yet been created. And so in the, in the eternal state, uh, what will be different is we will, we will have resurrected bodies, so we will be embodied, and we will dwell upon a new earth. So a couple of scriptures. Uh, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Apostle John is given a vision about the future after Christ returns. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. What's the first heaven and the first earth? It's the one that's raining right outside there. And that's going to pass away, and a new heaven and a new earth uh, will do what? And the sea will be no no more. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And God will come and dwell with us on that new earth for all eternity. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're, uh, we're taught about the resurrected body and when that happens. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That's a euphemism for Christians who have died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I love that scripture. We do grieve when our brothers and sisters in Christ die because we are temporarily separated from them, and that's sad. But we have hope. We have the hope of eternal life. We will see them again. We will fellowship with them again in the presence of God for all eternity. Verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. So God revealed this to the, to the apostles. That we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, second coming, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will always be with the Lord. And so it is at the resurrection of the dead uh, that happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so from that point on, uh, we will inhabit a resurrected body upon the new earth. Well, when exactly those, the, the timing of that is a little unclear. But what we do know is that, here's what the Bible is clear about. Throughout eternity, we will uh, live on the new earth in a resurrected body with God. Now, Randy Alcorn, I, I just uh, read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. And he makes some extrapolations from this. 
and uh, seeks to defend them from Scripture. But there's, there's some disagreement over the particulars, uh, and I think there's, there's room for imagination. But, I, but I'm going to give you some of his extrapolations because, and I think Alcorn is correct, he says, we've lost our imagination of heaven so that we're not looking forward to it. And yet heaven uh, has, has always been and should be for the Christian an animating force. Like our memory verse says, right? Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Or as the song says, when, uh, when we look into Jesus' face, uh, all the things and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, right? And so the, the more captivated we are by heaven, the less captivated we are by the things of this world, which makes it easier to live the Christian life with, the proper, with its proper values. Okay, so here's Alcorn. He says, you know, sometimes we think that heaven's going to be totally unfamiliar. But he said, I, I, I see in Scripture that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be quite familiar. We're going to be living on a new earth, so it's probably going to have all that we like in this earth, minus all the bad stuff, plus some cool new stuff. And so, if the fish don't mind it, there's probably fishing. He said, uh, there's going to be plenty to do. We're not just going to float on clouds and strum some harps. Yes, we're going to, we can worship God and serve Him. The Bible says that we will be ruling the universe with the Lord. We will have purposeful work to do. We will have friendships to enjoy. So we're going to know people and hang out with people and get to know them. Alcorn uh, believes that there will be time and space in, uh, throughout eternity. Uh, that there will be eternal, an eternity of learning and discovery. Uh, he does not believe, the Bible teaches, that we'll know everything immediately upon death but we will continue to develop and learn throughout all eternity, which means that heaven's going to be quite fascinating and quite dynamic, uh, and there's, there's ch new ch challenges. And rather than simply the absence of pain, heaven will have the continuous fulfillment of desire. It'll be a, we will have desires, but those desires will be perpetually uh, fulfilled. So, I say this merely to awaken your imagination, to begin to think about uh, heaven and what it might be like, because it's going to be good. It's going to be better than this world. Do we believe that? Heaven will be better than this world. Every, the best, think about the best possible day you have ever, the best day you've ever had or the best day you can imagine on this earth. That won't even be as good as one day in heaven. It's incredible. And so are we longing for heaven? We want to long for heaven. God wants to awaken within us a longing for heaven so that uh, this world is less, with its uh, temporary pleasures, is less um, tempting to us. John 14, 4. Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. We do? <laughs> we don't even know where you're going, Thomas says. How in the world do we know how to get there? 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So how, how do we get to heaven? The Bible is very clear. You get to heaven by becoming a disciple of Jesus. Thomas and didn't know that he knew the way to heaven, but he was a disciple of Jesus. And therefore, he was on his way to heaven. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you become his follower, then you follow him right up to heaven to hang out with him for all eternity. And then verse 7, this great Christological statement, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. So here's one of those places in Scripture where Jesus is clearly equating himself with the Father. And we know uh, that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, which is also why he says, Believe in God, believe also in me. When Jesus speaks, it is God speaking. So when we follow the commands of Christ, we are following God's commands. When Jesus goes to prepare a place for us, that is God himself preparing a place for us, and he will come back and take us to be with him forever and ever. So what is Jesus doing? Well, one of the things he's doing is preparing a place for us, and he will come back and take us to be with him forever. This is a staggering hope of the Christian life. That our future is always better than today. And so when we're suffering, we take comfort in that. And even when we're having our best day, we enjoy it and we say, what a taste. What a, what a foretaste of heaven. Jesus, come quickly, come quickly. And so, if you're a Christian today, my, my hope is that uh, you'll have your imagination of heaven and its goodness will have been reawakened, maybe set you on a journey. Uh, I recommend reading this book by Randy Alcorn. Uh, it was inspiring to me, called Heaven. And if you're not a Christian, well, who doesn't want to go to heaven? <laughs> I hope that you are thinking, yeah, I want, to, I want that. Well, the testimony of, uh, of the word, Jesus' testimony, testimony of all the Bible is there's one way, and it's by becoming a Christian, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to heaven. That is the, the, um, the witness of the Bible. That is the clear teaching of Christianity throughout 2,000 years. Uh, and so I'm, I'm hoping you won't leave today without becoming a Christian knowing then that heaven is your home. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, we're told, I write these things to you, my brothers, so that you may know that you have eternal life. God doesn't want our destiny to be a big question mark to us. He wants to settle in our hearts the question of where am I going when I die? I write these things so that you may know. God wants you to know today that you're going to heaven. Not because you're good enough, uh, if it were based on our performance, none of us could say we're going to heaven. Uh, I had a roommate in college, uh, and uh, he, just had, he just could not believe that I was definitive about I know where I'm going. I'm going to be in heaven, I would say. And he'd say, you can't say that. You don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. 
And he just thought that was unbelievably arrogant. But the reason I know I'm going to heaven is because it's not about my performance. It's about Jesus's performance, and it was perfect. And God accepts Christ, and therefore I get to go to heaven because I'm united with him by faith. And so if you're not a Christian, come talk to me. Nothing I'd rather do today than to, to witness you repenting and putting your faith in Christ, receiving him as your own personal Lord and Savior, and then you can know from that point forward where you're going when you die. Let's pray. Lord, Memorial Day weekend, you say, greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends, and we do honor all the men and women who have died to secure our freedom. And Jesus, we honor you for laying your life down to secure our eternity in heaven. Thank you for loving us enough to suffer and die so that we may be with you forever. We just marvel at your love for us, but we respond to it in faith this morning. In your name we pray, amen.